All right, uh, welcome back. And uh, if you will go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and uh, we'll get started. We'll get started here. And so, just as uh, a way of uh, reminding, uh, if you have the verse of the week, if you want to let us know what that is, uh, we can put that up next time we're here. Uh, if you've got a prayer, uh, prayer that you'd like to add to the prayer list, let us know. Uh, we can add that as well. And uh, this uh, will be the, the last of the messages of this series, uh, Grace Giving, which is giving based on liberty, which is something that's not normally talked about in most churches. Um, it's giving based off of, well, I'm telling you to type of thing, right? Uh, we've talked about what it's like, what the attitude is, what the amount is. Uh, the attitude in which we give is as a cheerful giver. The amount is whatever we choose to. Um, and then today what we're going to look at is um, how does God respond in, in all those situations? So under the law, under the kingdom, and under grace, how is it that God responds? So what we're going to do, we're going to start off 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. As we take a look at this information, may we allow your word to be the final authority in all things, uh, that we uh, take this information and apply it to our lives, that we might be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, um, again, as we've said, how is it that God's going to respond? That's what we want to look at, right? Well, if you look here in verse 6, it says what? But this I say, that he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So does that mean the more you give, the more you're going to learn? No, that's not what it is, right? Um, what we're going to find out is, based on this, the attitude with which we give and the, and the amount, all that stuff, is the amount's kind of irrelevant in a way if the attitude's right. And the more we learn, the more we're going to want to help other people learn, right? First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, it's God's will that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. This past weekend, when we, were, when we went down to visit Mom, as we're leaving, we're going back to the airport, which was a fun time. Uh, anyway, on our way back, there, was, there, there were people standing on the corner holding up signs. And for the first time ever, I saw a sign that I could kind of get behind. And it said, God wants you, First Timothy chapter 2. And I'm like, praise the Lord. Somebody finally gets it. And they're not putting up John 3.16 and uh, all those things. Like they actually had some, some, some good signs there. So I was like, well, that's pretty good. And so then what we're going to find out is the more we know, the more our attitude will be the correct attitude. And then this becomes, I don't want to do this because I have to or because I need to, <coughs> but it's because I choose to do so out of the right attitude. Now, if we look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8, and we'll look at these a little bit later on as well, but 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8, 
remember again, this is, this is something that we talked about before, just kind of keep in our mind as we're going through this. Paul says in verse 8, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of God, or the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for his for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. And then he goes on down through there. Notice the issue there in verse 11. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. Verse 12, For if there, if there be first a willing mind. <coughs> and again, we look at that. The willing mind, the attitude, right? We see that. Well, what, what a lot of times we want to say is, okay, if I give, what do I get out? Right? What's really interesting... <coughs> You know, you go back to Peter and, and, and the eleven, that's kind of one of the things they said is, okay, if we go and do this, what do we get out of this? And Christ says, well, you're going to sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. All right? It's a legitimate question. But <coughs> we want to know what's the response. Let's go take a look at some things real quick. And again, we'll look at each of these and then we'll, we'll see some other things. Go back. We, we kind of talked about these. Go to Deuteronomy 28. Uh, get Deuteronomy chapter 28 and then um, get Malachi chapter 3. And of course, we've looked at these before, but I want us to keep these in mind for what's the response, right? How does God respond in any situation? And we'll see something here real quick. Uh, Deuteronomy 28 verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all His commandments. Well, if it's observe and do all His commandments, one of the things that He does command them, we took a look at it, we take a look at it last time, there were three different tithes that they had, right? 10%, 10%, and then 10% every three years. So it was basically 23 and a third percent every year to where they could get that. <clears throat> that was part of all that He commanded. Notice, to observe and to do all His commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. So what does He say? He sets up underneath the law, if you do everything, He spends the next verses 3 through 14 talking about, here's all the good stuff I'm going to give you. So that's his response to them doing what they're supposed to do. Well, then the question is, what's the response if they don't do it? Well, verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to, to observe and to do all his commandments and his statutes. By the way, <coughs> when you see that word all, what's that mean? Can you miss one? I'm going to let it slide this one time. No. It's all, right? <clears throat> Which I have commanded thee this day that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. So he sets up this thing. If you 
do everything, you get all the blessings. If you don't do them all, you get all the cursings. Well, that's what we find out back over here in Malachi chapter 3. And, you know, we talked about it in the last, <clears throat> the last session when Jesus Christ is going and healing. We see the very first miracle that he does outside of the Sermon on the Mount is he goes and heals a leper, which is a picture of the death state, really, of the nation of Israel. They're sick and deadly, or deathly, I should say. <clears throat> and so then, the reason why is because they didn't do all that he'd commanded. And you see the same thing here in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. <clears throat> well, we should probably back up, but... <clears throat> Start here in verse 5. He says, And I will come near to you to judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against false swears and against those that oppress the hiring, hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right, and fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed." Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances, and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. <clears throat> Isn't that a good thing to see? Even then, in the mercy, he says, you've kept none of these things. Come and do them, and I'll return to you. Return to me, and I'll return to you. <coughs> he said, uh, saith the Lord of hosts, but ye, but ye said, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob? Uh, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Again, when we look at this, there it's what fruits and vegetables and things from the land, the the, <clears throat> the stuff they have there. We looked at that. Verse nine, you're cursed with a curse. Why? Deuteronomy twenty-eight. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And again, notice, it's a national issue. It's not a personal, one-person, individual thing. It's a nation. <clears throat> All right? Um, one of the things that uh, we're going through in Matthew, and we keep bringing this up, but in Matthew, as we're going through the book of Matthew, when we start seeing these things, it's a national issue. The, the, the forgiveness that they're supposed to be Seeking is a national forgiveness, not an individual forgiveness. And we'll talk about that once we get there. But we see these things. It's the whole nation. Verse 10, bring ye all the tithes in the storehouse. Why? That there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. And he's saying what? <clears throat> do what I'm asking you to do and prove me. Test me out. Let me show you that I will do the things that I promised you when you do the right thing. That's the way it was under the law. So when we take a look at these things, <clears throat> um, go real quick to go real quick to Colossians chapter two. <clears throat> Again, when we see this, that's a national issue. The believing remnant, and this is, this is one thing that's really interesting too, the believing remnant will suffer 
as much as unbelieving Israel will suffer because it's a national issue, right? And so that's one of those things that we have to make sure that we understand. <clears throat> it's the mixed multitude, not the individuals. But notice this here. Would we be under, because this is a really great question, would we today, as the dispensation of the grace of God, members of the body of Christ, be under Deuteronomy 8, 28, blessings and or cursings? <clears throat> well, in order to be under the blessing and or cursing, we would have to do all the things that he said to do or not do, right? Well, Colossians chapter 2, verse 20. <clears throat> Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, question, are you dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world? Yes. If you're not sure about that, go back to Romans chapter 6 and you find out that we are. You can go over to Colossians here and you see it a little bit, <clears throat> a couple more other times. But here's the thing. If we're dead with Christ to the rudiments of the world, notice what he says. Why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances? No. So then when we, when we think about that, if we're dead to the things and the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are we subject to ordinances? He's saying you're not. In fact, notice, he says, verse 21, touch not, taste not, handle not. So when it comes to ordinances, he says what? Don't touch them, don't taste them, don't handle them. Because you're not under them. Notice in verse 22, which are all to perish with the using. <clears throat> you think about this. You go back to the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve fall. What are the first thing that they do? Well, they sew together fig leaves. What do those fig leaves do? As soon as you take them off the vine, what happens to the fig leaves? They die. They die. They're going to shrivel and die. That's the same thing as what, and so what you have there is the first institution of man's religion. <clears throat> is I'll take care of it myself, I'll figure it out. What happens is when those fig leaves shrivel up, I've got to go get more fig leaves and do it. When those shrivel up, I've got to go get more fig leaves. And it's the same thing here. Touch not, taste not, handle not. <clears throat> if you're supposed to if you're supposed to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, then that means every Saturday, which by the way is the Sabbath, every Saturday you have to remember that day and keep it holy, and you have to do it again next week, and the next week, and the next week. And if you miss a week, what happens is all the other stuff is perished. It's not worth anything. James says what? If you offend in one point. How about now? Let me know. <clears throat> Say something. Say something. Something? All right. Thank you, Bruce. And folks on YouTube. And probably folks on Facebook, because if one's not getting sound, then the other one's not getting sound. So, thank you. <clears throat> One of these days, we'll figure this stuff out. If there's anybody out there that does AV stuff, and you want to come here and do something for free... <laughs> By all means, come help me out. 
but thank you all. So again, think about this. Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using. The moment that we do it, what happens is we have to do it again. And we have to do it again. Notice, after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. So when we think about these things, if we're dead to this, the rudiments of the world because we're with Christ, why would we want to go and put ourselves underneath that old system, right? Why wouldn't we? Why would we want to go to something that's inferior to what we have now? That's a great question. And then notice in chapter 3, he says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Why? For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. <laughs> that's just, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. To know that, that our life is hid with Christ in God. Um, we don't have those cursings and blessings back in Deuteronomy 28 because we have something even better. Um, real quick, go over to Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> so in, in, in under the law, what was God's response? How did God respond to them? If they didn't do it, they got a cursing. If they did do it, they got a blessing. Luke chapter 12. Again, we're still dealing with a national issue. Luke chapter 12. Notice here in verse 27. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye doubtful of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, notice, and all these things shall be added unto you. What's he saying? If you're doing what you're supposed to do, you're going to get all the things that you need. You know, when you're reading over there in the, the Our Father prayer, Right before that, he says what? The Father already knows what you need before you ask it. He knows exactly what they needed. Notice in verse 33. Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And you stop and you think about these things. Again, it's a national issue. They're going to seek the kingdom of God and what is God going to provide them with? Their physical need. In this particular case, it'd be what? Clothes, food, shelter, those things. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. This is one of those that people like to bring up. Notice Matthew chapter 13, verse 8. He says, But other, talking about the 
as you're going down through here, he's talking about sowing some seeds, right? And then um, he, he's dealing with the parable here, and he's talking about some fell on earth, some fell on um, not on the earth and where there wasn't much earth and things like that. Some, some of them, the fowls came by. Some of them, the wind blew away. He's really talking about the Word of God. Yeah. And so then it's really interesting. When you get down here to verse 8, this is one that everybody goes and gets, right? But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some in hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. And that's where they get that, that hundredfold, right? Well, if you give, God's going to give you a hundredfold. Well, in, the, in this case here, would he do that? Yeah. Under this, under this issue, drop over to verse 23. <clears throat> he says, But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Now, what's interesting there is, what's, what's happening there is, you notice, he that heareth the word, and understandeth it, What's that person going to do? Everything that they're told to do. What are they going to get? 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold. It's a promise there. That's not to us. So that doesn't mean it's... God is not... God is not the lottery guy. Okay? You can't go spend $2 on a lottery ticket expecting to get a million because that's, that's not what God's doing today. He is not the... the the person to set up all this, all the lottery. Notice, jump over to Matthew chapter nineteen. <clears throat> Matthew chapter nineteen, verse twenty-eight. Well, let's start in verse twenty-seven because here's where Peter's question is. Right, we were talking about this earlier. Matthew nineteen twenty seven. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? It's a good question. What's his answer? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit eternal life, everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. When you look at this, what's he saying? There are people that's using this verse today, and they're turning their children against their parents. And they're taking their parents and turning them against their children, and this is this is what they're this is what they're doing because God's going to give you all this stuff. Now, was this the case when Matthew nineteen was written? Absolutely. But he's not saying turn against them. It's what's going to happen is is if you believe this stuff and your parents don't believe, what's going to happen? You're going to go opposite directions. It's going to be a byproduct of that. If you've forsaken houses or brethren or sisters and all this stuff, lands, he says what? You're going to get a hundredfold and shall in, in, inherit everlasting life. So what's, God, what's God's answer, if you will? What's God doing? What's his, what's his response is, here's this blessing. Here's all this stuff. Now, what's really interesting, <clears throat> go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 
Notice this real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's start off, start off in verse, let's just break in here, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11. He says, Even unto this present hour we both hunger and thirst, and are naked and are buffeted, and have no certain dwelling place. Now, if they were, if Paul was, was going based on the law or the kingdom principle, what would people think? He's being cursed on, right? Right? God's cursed him because he wasn't doing something right. He messed up somewhere. But notice, verse 12, And labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. <laughs> you think you think Facebook and, and YouTube and Twitter and Snapchat and uh TikTok and all that stuff, you think you think it's you think it's bad when somebody says, Oh, you're a you're a lunatic. You read this, you're like, You're pretty good company. And it's really not that bad considering what Paul dealt with. Notice <clears throat> verse fifteen. Or verse 14, I write not these things to shame you, but as I, my beloved sons, I warn you. For though ye have ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you be followers of me. Now, one of the things you don't want to do is list all these things that I'm going through and then say, be a follower of me. Here's all the stuff that I'm going through. Hunger, thirst, naked, buffeted, have no certain dwelling place. I labor with my own hands. I'm reviled, being persecuted, defamed. I'm made as the filth of the the offscouring of the, of the world. Made the filth of the world and offscouring of all things. Uh, by the way, follow me. <clears throat> it's not. It's probably not the person you want to follow. But there's there, that's the issue, right? For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus. Now I want you to notice here. For this cause have I sent unto, unto you, Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, do we have physical blessings today like they would under the law and under the kingdom issue? The answer is no, but yes. How is it that God does it? Through other believers. He's saying, I'm sending Timothy to see you all and to remind you of what? My ways which be in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. He's reminding them of the doctrine that they have stored up in them already. And what that's going to do is going to say, I don't care whatever comes my way. The doctrine, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to give myself wholly to it. Notice real quick, go over to Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> On your way there, stop at Philippians chapter 1 just for a second because I want us to go to there anyway. Philippians chapter 4 and also look at Philippians chapter 1. We'll, one first. we'll look at 1 first. <clears throat> so Philippians chapter 1, notice in verse 13 because I want us to remind, remind ourselves where we are. Philippians 1.13 so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all the other places. Where is Paul when he's writing the book of Philippians? In 
He's in prison. All right? So with that in mind, chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. What's those first three words of Philippians 4.10? But I rejoiced. But I rejoiced. Now, considering what's going on in the passage there, <clears throat> what's really interesting, we get down here, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned both... Uh, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know, I know both how to be a base and how I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can do those things. I can, I can be content because of the doctrine that's stored up in me. Notice in verse 18. Verse 17, he says what? <clears throat> Well, verse 15. Verse 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account, But I, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received notice of Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you. Notice this, and I want you to keep this in mind because we're going to come back to this. What is it that Paul's talking about here about the Philippians? He's saying, you all sent money to me or things that I needed by Epaphroditus. Notice having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, notice, an odor of a sweet smell, <laughs> a sacrifice acceptable, and what? Well-pleasing to God. What's God's response today is what? It's well-pleasing. It's an odor, notice, an odor, a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When, when Paul's dealing with this stuff and he's going through all these things, he's in prison, right? He gets word from Epaphroditus that's actually from the, from the folks in Philippi. Um, and he's saying, you all did the same thing when I was in Thessalonica. And you see what he says about their giving. All right, so keep that in mind as we go through. Notice, um, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8.
2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. It's the same folks he was talking about when he was in Macedonia, right? How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy... And again, we can't, we can't really fathom that today in the United States of America. We can't fathom a great trial of affliction. Nor could we understand an abundance of joy while in a great trial of affliction. Because we've not dealt with that yet. We might in some time soon. Uh, when I was talking at FCA at our school, um, the, not last Friday, but the Friday before when we was in school, uh, they asked me to come and speak, and I was talking to them, and I was like, you know, there might be a day where we can't have a Bible in our hand. We might not be able to meet in our school and me be able to talk to them about Scripture. There might be a day when that not, that's not able to happen here in America. After that, the guy that kind of runs the, the uh, baccalaureate, which is like a Christian version of graduation service, they said, we've received letters from the ACLU about our baccalaureate service. Which is optional to attend. Which is optional to attend. And we also have to say before we speak, this is not authorized by the Franklin County Public High School and all that stuff. ACLU sent them a letter. We're still going to do it. But there will be a time where that's not going to be able to happen at a school. What I do on Wednesdays at school teaching the history of the Bible one day might not be able to happen. And again, one of these days, you might not be able to have that book in front of you. That's why it's important to get it here and here. So we don't know yet what a great trial of affliction is to have an abundance of joy in that great trial of affliction, but they did. Notice, and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Now, when you think about your liberality, where does our liberality come from? It comes from Christ. It comes from our position of who we are in Christ. And there's, he's saying what? In their abundance of their poverty, the thing that they cared most about was the liberty that they had in Christ. Because that liberty can't be touched. It's not, it's not written down on a piece of paper that they've got in a, in a case in Washington, D.C. that says... We're going to follow these, these constitutions. No, this is something that God the Father had the Holy Spirit write down for you and I to be able to have and to read and to study, to put here, to live out. And he's saying that was the issue. They didn't get caught up with the things in the life. They, were, they had their, their minds set on those heavenly things where Christ sits. Notice, Verse 3, for their power I bear ye record, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Again, that willing mind. Notice, what's the first thing? Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. The fellowship of the ministering to the saints is the issue. That's the whole purpose that a church should ever ask for anything was to be able to what? A fellowship of the ministering of the saints. There are folks that we've, again, we've never met that have decided to be, a, to be part of the fellowship of the ministry of the saints to you all here. They don't live here. They live outside of, this, outside of the state. 
We've had folks outside of the country contact us. There are people out there that don't know us outside of the videos that say, we want to be a partaker in the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. To me, that's humbling. Because we've never, we've never asked, we've never begged. We just said, here it is, if you'd like to be a part of it, you can do that. The fact that we've got this board, a dear saint and his wife decided once we started meeting here, they, he, he messaged me and said, do you all miss your whiteboard at your old place? I was like, yes. He's like, all right, there'll be one coming. The reason we have this is because of the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. The fact that we're able to be here and the fact that we have snacks, the fact that we have an iPad, the fact that we can broadcast this on Facebook and YouTube is because people decided they want to be a part of the fellowship and the ministering of the saints. And it's humbling. And you can't say anything but thank the Lord for you. For everybody that's ever given to the ministry, we thank the Lord for you. And it's a great, it's a great thing to be a part of. And notice, what's, what is it? We're right here. Chapter 9. We've looked at this before. And in the context of actually giving, let's take a look at it this way. How does God respond? Notice, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 8. And we've looked at this before. And of course, the context here he's talking about is giving. When you look at verse chapter 9, verse 1, it says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, what's that have to do with? Well, chapter 8 told us. Verse, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. What's God's response? It's not, I'm going to bless you with a cattle on a thousand hills. I'm not going to make you all this. What's it, what is it? God is able to make all grace abound toward you. What's His response? It's a sufficient grace. Notice, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Drop down to verse 11. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. We like absolutely nothing. We like absolutely nothing. And it's not a commandment, but it's advice where Paul says, here's how you should do it and to prove the sincerity of your love. Now, what's really interesting, and I know we're running low on time, and there's a whole bunch more that I wanted to get to. But <clears throat> Paul learned. You go over and read Philippians chapter 4 and you find out that Paul learned contentment cost him everything. He counted all that stuff but dung. And he says, all that's worthless because I've got Christ. But notice, <clears throat> go back real quick to Philippians 4. And I want you to get, because I want you, I want you to, rem, I want to, I want you to think of something. Uh, get get Philippians four and get Ephesians chapter five, because this is this is one of those things you just kind of just it it punches you in the in the gut and in the face, and you just kind of have to pay attention to it. 
Get Philippians chapter 4 and Ephesians chapter 5. Again, think about this. The issue that we're dealing with is godly giving, giving based on liberality. Philippians chapter 4, verse 18. I wanted to remind you of this again. He's talking about the, the, the gift that they have. Verse 18, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which, which were sent from you. Notice, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, and well-pleasing to God. So, when is another time that we see this? Ephesians chapter 5. Now this is, this is one of those things that just kind of, again, it just kind of jumps out at you and you have to pay attention. <clears throat> Notice in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Now, when we think about that, what he's talking about is we are beloved, right? We are accepted in the beloved. Notice in verse 2, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. Question, how has Christ loved us? He died for us. He gave everything for us so that we might be rich. Right? And he's not talking about money rich. Notice, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given Himself for us, notice, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now, when you look at that, the giving that the folks in Philippi did, Paul says that is what? It's an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, and it's well-pleasing to God. And that's the same terminology that God uses for the cross. What did Christ do? He willfully gave of Himself, notice, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So what he's saying is what? God looks at the death of Christ and our giving willfully according to the doctrine that is stored up in our soul, the liberality, and says, I'm as well pleased with your giving as I was with the Son. That just... <laughs> and again, it's not the... Well, I have to, this, that, and the other. It's what God is saying is, I'm as pleased with that. He sees when you give, it's just like the sacrifice of Christ if we're doing it the correct way. And if we're not, then He's not. But notice, I'm as well pleased with that as I am with Christ's work. Now, when you think about that, <laughs> go over to uh, Philippians chapter 2. 
How is it that Christ gave of His life? Based upon the doctrine that He learned, He was what? Completely and totally... He, he just followed what God's Word said, right? He gave, he gave Himself to God and His Word completely and totally. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. <clears throat> if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You know, I just, I read those verses and I can't help but just shake my head. <laughs> Jesus Christ put us above himself. Yeah. He died for the people that hate him. Mm -hmm. And the ones that loved him. Mm -hmm. He gave everything of himself and esteemed others better than himself. Verse 4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. In Christ Jesus. And the thing is, is it's not what we get out of it. It's what do others get out of it when we give? What do others get out of us giving? The whole point is giving is to, to help us abound in good works. And that's what 2 Corinthians 9 is really dealing with as you take a look at those things. Um, like I said, there's a lot of stuff here that I skipped just for time's sake because we're, we're running low on time. Um, but here, here, let's leave with this. First, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's leave off with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And let us always keep this in mind. No matter what we do, whether we give of time or... or or whatever it is. Notice in verse 15, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. For all things are for your sakes. All right? And of course, what he's doing with there, he's talking about being persecuted and being distressed and all those things. Um, bearing in, in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going through all these things, being delivered unto the death uh, for Jesus' sake. And he's dealing with all this stuff. And he says, for all these things are for your sakes. You know, when Paul says, I'm willing to give, to be, to spend and be spent. <coughs> that's this right here. Why? For other people, not for himself. He's not saying, man, I want to go do these things so that somebody can give me something or do something. But notice, for all these things are for your sakes. That, here's the purpose, the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. So when it comes down to it, why give? That it might redound to the glory of God. Should we expect something out of it? Yeah, 
For us, no. For others, yes. When we think about those things and we look at the, the way if we do it willfully and correctly, what happens is God looks at that and is just as well pleased as He is with what Christ did. <clears throat> All right. 